Mandy Yakich from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters On Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast, to inspire, inform and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters episode 13. Thank you so much for joining me. Today I'm talking to Kiri Abraham. Kiri is an artist, mother, gardener, tramper and lover of nature who has lived and worked in Helensville, northwest of Auckland for the past 15 years. She describes her art as drawing, although it includes painting, printing, stitch and more recently cutting and burning. Kiri's work has themes of land and ecology at its core, human connection to place through story and materials, and the reciprocity of care and protection between humans and the earth. Welcome to Creative Matters, Kerry. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. It's nice to have you here, and um, I'm really excited to hear your story. I know that um, quite a few people actually have asked me to speak with you. So, <laughs> and knowing your work, um, I think it's going to be really interesting to hear the backstory. Well, I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> I'm sure you won't. All right, so as usual, let's start from the beginning. Kerry, can you tell us about where you were born, your childhood, and if you were a creative kid? Mm, um, Yeah, I was born in Tikawiti, and soon after that, uh, we moved. Uh, We moved quite a lot uh, when I was a young child. We lived in Singapore, uh, in Thames, back in New Zealand, uh, in various places around Auckland and in England and came back to Auckland when I was starting high school um, and kind of settled there in Blockhouse Bay in West Auckland. Mm, interesting. And what, what made you travel so much as a family? Uh, my dad was a primary school teacher and his job really took us to these places Uh, I think my parents both had itchy feet as well and uh, maybe wanted to do some exploring. They'd been quite settled in their early lives. And I think, yeah, they they kind of got the travel bug later on. And then as a family, we we did some exploring. Mm. Hmm. That's great. And uh, what kind of things did you get up to creatively as a child? Mm. Um, Yeah, I, I feel like childhood... Back then was was creative. Probably the absence of screens really helped that. Um, my mum was very creative. She did a lot of knitting and spinning and weaving, um, dyeing wool. There was always some kind of noxious smell coming from the kitchen of something that she was cooking up to dye wool with later. Um, so I, I feel like it was, yeah, it was always very much a part of our life, and um, yeah, even though we were, we were quite a working class family, I guess. But my mum brought in creativity into the domestic space and into everything that she did. So it was all around us, and there were always paints and pens and paper and materials to play with. Yeah. Mm. 
That's cool. Mm. And what kind of thing do you remember making as a child? Mm. Um, I remember doing lots of collage and gluing macaroni onto things. Um, I remember drawing a lot. Um, yeah, playing, just playing with, playing with what was around. Um, and I guess we spent quite a lot of time outside as well. So using leaves to do leaf rubbings and bark and anything that was at hand that was growing or in the garden. Mm. Yeah. And could you see glimmers of what you're doing now with your drawing, that sort of more intricate work? Could you see that as a child? Was that happening then or not so um, much? I think I was more of a kind of slap bang, kind of big movement, big marks. Um, yeah, I was much more energetic. <laughs> mm, that's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think I've calmed down a lot since then. Mm. Mm. Very interesting. Well, we'll get on to your practice a bit later. Mm. So uh, going through school, you know, up into high school and that kind of thing, how did you mm. find art then? Um, yeah, so I think high school was probably where, I guess because it becomes a subject that you can take, it became something that was quite separated and it was its own thing it wasn't just something that wove through life um and I loved it from the start I think um I went to Linfield College and there was a really strong art department and I had some really inspirational teachers there um who supported me a lot with my art and really encouraged me to to take it seriously, to um, yeah, to kind of see it as a as a possible profession, I guess, in mm. the future to take it seriously. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Mm. To yeah, have that kind of encouragement. Yeah, yeah, and I think it was it was a real trust that they had, um, and they really treated us as artists, as though we were artists already, not just students learning art. So I think that that kind of confidence, it, it really transfers over to you when you're, when you're feeling like people are seeing you in that way. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and also being able to experiment and learn techniques that I hadn't been exposed to before. Um, yeah. I think that was that was a really lovely time. It was also a really strong little community in the art department. We had this old shed that was the art shed that we all hung out in and it was the beginning of that that kind of bouncing off other artists and seeing the value in that and the community that that could come out of creativity. Mm. Isn't that great? I mean not everyone has that at arts in high school for art, do they? Mm, yeah, and I wonder how, yeah, I wonder how art is in high school these days, but I think back then it was kind of this little offshoot that that happened quite quietly, and because of that there was quite a lot of freedom mm. to explore. Mm. Mm. And were you doing the drawing, anything like you're doing now, or was no. it quite different? No, it was still, I think, similar to how I had approached art as a young child 
um, yeah, it was very gestural and loose, so very different to what I do. Mm, that is so fascinating. <laughs> yeah. And what yeah. were the sort of general themes that you were exploring? Um, I remember doing a whole section on Māori and Pacific art um, and I, th- I remember looking at spaces, um, spaces between objects uh, and yeah and windows was part of that so looking, looking at windows, looking at stained glass windows so kind of structure and space between structures yeah. Mm. Well, mm. to me, that I can see the connection when you're considering space in that way. I can see, I feel like with your work that you're doing at the moment, which we'll talk about soon, has quite a lot of consideration for space also. Mm. Would you say that? Yeah, I think I am still quite intrigued by structures and and what you can do within those. Um yeah, rather than broad things like uh, a still life or a or a landscape that's um, treated in a way that's representational, it's yeah. I think I am quite interested in in objects and what lies between them. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Auckland Uni and I did art history, which possibly wouldn't have led to a real job either. <laughs> but I really, I really loved that. Um, I love research and writing and reading, and I focused a lot on contemporary art, specifically New Zealand art. Um, so that was a really positive time. I, I wasn't making anything. And looking back, I, I, yeah, I kind of think, oh, that was, that was a bit sad that I didn't still own that, that I could, I could still do art outside of the institution. But I, I guess that was just where I was at at that point. Mm. Yeah. And you obviously found it later, so. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. It hunts you down. Yeah. It's always <laughs> going to be there, isn't it? Yeah. And then what did you do with your art history degree? Um, so I went traveling and I went to Scotland, um, initially and ended up living there for 10 years oh, wow. and met my husband there. Um, and yeah. Why, why Scotland? Well, um, in my early life we had spent a year in England. We'd lived in 
Yorkshire and we'd had one holiday, we had this old camper van that we took around the place and we'd had this holiday in Scotland and had gone to the remotest parts, to the Outer Hebrides, to the Highlands and there was something about that landscape that just just connected with me and um yeah I'd held on to that for a long time and my grandmother was Scottish as well so there was kind of that familial connection and when I was planning to go overseas it was just for me the the first place that I wanted to go and wanted to go back to Mm. yeah and you stay there for that long yeah yeah there was you know a bit of travel around and living in various different places um but yeah, that was that was where I settled, where, where we settled after we were married. Mm. Um, How great! Yeah. I I lived in Scotland when I was eight and nine. Oh, really? Yeah, and loved it too, and have that same kind of connection ah. with it. And I have been back, but not to live. Mm. But yeah, it's got under my skin as well for mm. some reason. I wonder if it's that Pakeha connection that we have with yeah. that part of the world. Possibly. Mm. Wow. And then yeah. what were you doing work-wise? Um, so that was when I um, decided to go to art school, actually. I'd, I'd been working, you know, in cafes and libraries and just those usual kind of traveling jobs. Um, but I think as I was traveling, I, I guess you're automatically in this position of being an observer and – uh, and slightly anonymous, slightly removed from what you're seeing. And that was when I started drawing again and just really loved it and, and realised that there was this part of me that I had neglected and it wasn't going to go away. And um, that was when I decided that, yeah, I really wanted to to do this. I wanted to take it seriously and um, and go and do some study. How great that and you came back just, to that point. Yeah, yeah. And you felt, obviously, from the sort of being rejected, you'd kind of got over that in your mind and, and decided to go again. Yeah. And I think maybe being outside of New Zealand was quite freeing and feeling like this is a new beginning. Um, no one knows me here. No one knows my art from before. And it felt very liberating yeah mm, I can imagine mm. wow so you got in obviously yeah so we were living in Aberdeen in the northeast of Scotland so I went to Gray's School of Art which is part of Robert Gordon University and was there for four years yeah wow yeah and it was great it was um i feel like it was such a privilege to have that amount of time just to create and to really explore who I was creatively. Um, I had some incredible tutors who were very trusting and supportive and just gave me a lot of space um, to to just follow what I was doing. Mm. Um, I was in the textile department, uh, but within that, I moved into sculpture and printmaking and painting and 
there was a lot of encouragement to really stretch out and to just use people and uh, studios and technicians and really explore. Mm. Sounds amazing. Mm. Yeah, it was incredible. Yeah. And then you, from there... I mean, did you were you doing a lot of drawing as well at that time, mm. as well as the painting? And mm. well, as part of that degree, uh, one day a week was spent purely drawing in the drawing studios, and I think most people didn't really enjoy that part of it. They just wanted to be back in the studio, screen printing or knitting or um, yeah. But I loved it, and I think that's when. Uh, that's when I was kind of exposed to drawing as being something incredibly diverse and exploratory uh, with no boundaries. And, yeah, we did some crazy things in that drawing studio. Um, but it, it really opened my eyes to the possibilities of drawing as, a, as an art form in itself and not necessarily as something which preempts something more finished or final mm. Mm. yeah mm. cool and so you did your four years um mm. what happened after that was that time mm. for babies or yes yes yeah. so pretty much straight after that it was we moved back to New Zealand after 10 years and had babies um yeah so you know you just go into a different world really at that point which I was, I loved, and it was exhausting and um, and creative. Um, yeah, and I managed to to carry on drawing in that time, and I think that's actually when I I started down the track of the type of drawing that I do now because I was limited with time and space. We had a very small house. Um, I would, at night time, once the kids were in bed, I'd get my head torch on and spread out on the kitchen table and I'd have one drawing that I worked on that I could just pick away at. And I remember listening to someone speaking about their love for knitting at that point and who had children in a busy life and she would she said that if she can get two rows knitted at the breakfast table then count that as a win and I think it was that really stuck with me and it was that thing of taking those small windows of time rather than looking for the hours and hours which never arrive Mm. and just carrying on that creative practice in a very small way and and gradually that builds up and you've completed a drawing and then there's mm. another drawing and another yeah. one. That's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. And did you feel yeah. sort of, did you have a real compulsion to be drawing and, and making through it? Or were you thinking, mm. I should continue to draw for my practice? Or mm. how, how did you feel? Um, I think once I had finished art school, I knew that I, just, I wanted to really push through with the drawing I really wanted to carry that on I'd, I'd kind of had enough of textiles by that point um, and I knew drawing was something that I could carry on that I could integrate into a 
messy life. Um, and there was that drive in me to just to carry on. Yeah, I think by that point I had accepted that this was who I was, this was part of me and that it wasn't that helpful to shove it aside and to ignore it mm. anymore. Which you'd done was, earlier, yeah. so you learn from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Mm. I think that's lovely advice for, you know, people who are busy or new mums mm. who have that need mm. to be creative. Just yeah. to, to look at it in sort of small chunks. Yes, yeah. And I, I wonder if, you know, part of that came from my experience with my mum who just brought that creativity into the domestic space in any way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm. probably. So um, just for the listeners who don't actually know your work, um, you know, we've been talking about drawing, but I say it's not the kind of drawing that people might have in their minds when they think of drawing. Mm. So um, could you just describe sort of overall the kind of work you do and then we'll sort of unpack the different the different parts of your practice? Mm. Um, yeah, so I guess my drawing is made up with lots of tiny marks um, that I build up to, to make a, a larger image or picture drawing yeah so I use a various various um, methods to make those marks uh, I love just using pen and ink um, or graphite um, I've been using cutting tools so cutting straight into the surface of the paper um, burning with a burning with a wood burning tool and I've also been using natural clays and biochar yeah beautiful mm. and your work you know is is very intricate and delicate and um beautiful i think oh thank you yeah it's really beautiful and it's um there's something about it that that draws you in because it is does have that real um fragility about it in a way to look at for me mm um, and the way that you interpret mark making, and I think it's is so beautiful. Mm. Um, so when you when you do your drawings, it is connected to place and land, isn't it? So how can you describe that for us? Talk about that, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm really interested in humans' connection to land and their relationship to place, to the stories that they that they have around land. Um, I'm interested in geology and in the physical earth, but also in, I guess, people's imaginative relationships with place. Um, yeah, and I think, you know, living in New Zealand, um, there's an uncomfortable connection to land often, uh, especially being Pākehā. I do have Māori heritage as well, but uh, I guess that the Pākehā side is, is what I've connected most with in my life. And having had a, an, a childhood of moving around a lot of transients and of not connecting to place, it's something that really fascinates me. Um, and especially how people work with the land and have practices which have been uh, formed and repeated 
through generations, through things like gardening um, and built structures. Um, Yeah, it's it's an ongoing fascination and it's an uncomfortable fascination. That's very interesting. What Mm. is uncomfortable for you? Um, I find it hard to make art about specific locations in New Zealand. Um, I think I, I don't necessarily feel like I have a right to make work about the land here. I'm very conscious of our history and um, of who this land belongs to and I do feel like a visitor here um and so I yeah I I feel this awkwardness around it mm. um yeah I, I've just been reading Alison Jones's memoir I don't know if you no, yeah she's um written about her journey of being a Pakeha and um the uncomfortableness of forming that identity and I I think that really resonates with me and with the art that I make that I love this place I love New Zealand I've I have you know amazing memories and connections through memory of the land but there's also a disconnect at some point that Mm. I feel and do you think your art is helping you to connect? I think it's an it's a journey of it. It's a it's holds more questions perhaps than answers for me. Um, I'm drawn I'm drawn to explore it, but I don't think there's answers in it. Yeah. Mm. Mm. I need to get deeper with this. This is fascinating. (laughs) (laughs) So your work is, you know, obviously you're not drawing sort of what you see Mm. specifically, are you? So can you describe Mm. sort of how how you're responding to the land and to place and to people with your mark making? Mm. Um, Yeah, I, I do a lot of reading. That's really something that's quite crucial to my practice and um, I research a lot um, so the kind of things that I'm, I'm reading around are things like um, indigenous gardening practices um, and uh, human stories that connect them to place um, and so then I'm thinking about materials and um, and how those materials themselves can reflect the subject matter that I'm exploring. Um, and then I'm also considering ideas within that around ecology and earth protection Um so reading around those ideas as well. Mm. Yeah. Which comes back to your art history interests yeah. and research and yeah. reading. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
So that probably really was a great thing to do for your practice yeah, now in hindsight. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And um I think to read deeply into a subject um has been really helpful for me. Mm. Mm. That's really interesting that it's mm. yeah, it's so connected with the the research and mm. the reading. Mm. And so I'm just kind of going there again. Do you have a particular place, so for if you imagine one of your artworks, mm. um, like one of the ones that was at Mirawai Arts mm-hmm. recently, last week, the mm. show that we had there, do you are you actually responding to a particular place or is it just sort of a, a more of a general mm. view mm. of earth and place? Um, I've I've approached both of those things. Um, with the ones that were at Muriwai, it was more general. And I was reading at that time a lot about soil and um, what makes up soil and the degradation of soil that we've seen. And so for, for those works, it was about the it was kind of more of a joyous um, exploration of, wow, there's so much life in soil mm-hmm. <laughs> and a, a love for that and for the richness that, that that brings to our land. At other times I have looked at specific place and specific landforms and integrated those into drawings. So a bit of both really mm. without – I guess specifically um, or obviously locating to a specific place, yeah. Mm. And uh, following on from the work that you showed at Muruai Arts, I know that um, your latest work has um, is using other things like burn marks and, and holes and that kind of thing. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I think after I had done those, I guess I could call them soil drawings, Um, I became quite fascinated with burning and also the connection with with biochar and burning, which is a practice that has been used uh, for thousands of years in order to enrich soil, um, particularly by the Incas. And so burning became a method that I used to to create drawings. I also really uh, responded to the idea of a whole creating a whole in order to make a line or to make a drawing. So instead of adding to paper, it's taking away from paper. So it's an absence rather than a presence, which kind of ties into my thinking of of walking lightly um so yeah the the recent works I've been doing have been quite laborious and slow as always um and they've been variations of cloaks I would say which are created from rows and rows of tiny burn holes onto tissue paper Mm. Oh wow! Very yeah. delicate. Yeah, yeah, and hopefully compostable at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we're going to want to compost them somehow. <laughs> oh, that sounds really fascinating. Yeah, and and you're combining the the burn marks with with the drawing 
marks and the the holes? Uh, So this time I'm only using the burn holes. So, yeah, I've just kind of, I guess, simplified. Um, And I'm sure I will integrate those other marks at different times, but right now I'm just loving the burn holes. Mm. Just loving it. Beautiful. Yeah. And what's the actual tool tool you use? It's actually my daughter's... um, Burn, wood burning tool so I might have to get her another one because <laughs> I think I've yeah wow. <laughs> used this one to its full potential and is it showing the the browning of the mark from the from the burn and from the heat or is it purely holes and tissue there's yeah there's the brown um burn mark as well and it's it's quite unpredictable so instead of there being a, a really regular mark that it makes, it's obviously dependent on how long you hold that tool into the paper um, and the angle at which you hold it. And so there's this beautiful variation, which I don't have a whole lot of control over, which I'm really enjoying. Mm. Yeah. It sounds quite experimental almost. Mm. Mm. And do you have a, a sort of final product in your mind? I mean, I'm guessing you probably don't. Um. No, I actually do. I because the drawings that I make are so slow, um, they'll probably take three or four months to complete one drawing. So I can't really afford to make a mistake halfway. So I work quite a lot in my sketchbook and um, really refining how I want this drawing to be. And that's quite a, I guess, quite a long process. And then, so when I actually come to sit down and and begin this drawing, I know exactly how it's going to look. Wow. <laughs> and so that, what do you use in your sketchbook? Just ink and pencil? Uh, yeah, and I actually mostly use my sketchbook for writing. So I'm writing my ideas, um, connecting with things I've seen, and then doing little rough sketches of, of I guess it's more of a, a design way of working of, yeah, how I want the structure of this drawing to be. Mm. And how much yeah. does that change through the process as you're working? It definitely ends up different to my very controlled beginning. And as I'm creating this drawing, I'm always thinking about the next drawing and and discovering things that are happening with the tool and the paper and thinking, oh, how could I use that in the next drawing or how could I integrate that or increase that or decrease that? Um, yeah, so it's a constant thought process going on as I'm working. Mm. Yeah. And do you take notes in your sketchbook as you work? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I also, while I'm working, because it's it's very mechanical, um, I'm I listen to podcasts and audiobooks a lot. So I'm often getting ideas or references from what I'm listening. It's usually connected to the subject matter of my drawings, and so I'm jotting those down mm. as I go. That's amazing. Mm. And so this latest work, is it responding to a similar kind of thing to the work previously? Um, yeah, it's. I think it's possibly got a more ecological bent to it. Um, I've been looking at cloaks and uh, specifically Māori cloaks 
And there's a a story I read recently of, um, or yeah, a few different instances where this has happened in Maori tradition, where someone has been in a situation where they've been about to be killed, and someone else has thrown a cloak over them, and that has become symbolic of them being protected and spared. And I've been thinking a lot about um, uh, the fragile ecologies around us and and how we just really need to throw a cloak over them and protect them. Um, and so I guess I'm creating some cloaks for the land. To protect. Mm. Beautiful. Mm. And how are you going to show those works? Is that are they just on large, large tissue mm. that you'll frame, or would you make it more like a, a textile? I mean, maybe that's coming back to your textiles. Yeah, it's actually been in my mind a bit because I'd the works I'm doing at the moment are at the framers, so they'll, they'll be behind glass. But I have been thinking about oh, I wonder if making an actual garment out mm. of burnt tissue how that would mm. and even I don't know getting a dancer to work with it or yeah mm, so that would be beautiful I can really imagine that mm. or even having you know just beautiful tissue draping from sort of a rod or something like that mm. with, with that all those marks on it mm. would be quite stunning yeah 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 there's lots of different ways it could go yeah that's exciting mm. And do you feel like it connects with your practice when you were looking at textiles when you were younger? Yeah, I think, you know, I guess throughout your life you you have these little um, periods of fascination and influences and they all connect up in some way or other. And so I think that is kind of harking back to that time and also I've started looking again at some of the artists that I looked at back then and going and just, yeah, re-looking at them and mm. connecting them in now to this work. That's so great, in, isn't in it? In a different way. I mm. love that about creativity, that you're always thinking and growing and developing and noticing and, mm. you know, it just the more you do it, almost mm. the more ideas come. Connecting up dots. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Mm. Can't wait to see those. <laughs> They have to get sound busy. Gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So um obviously you have quite an interesting process and your you know, your work, as you were saying, is very connected to what you read and um what you research as well as what you see and feel. Um can you tell us about I mean you've kind of touched on it on it already with the sketchbooks, but um maybe going back to the fine line drawing with with ink or with pencil. Can you tell us about your process? Yeah, I, I guess it was similar in a way. Um, it would always begin with reading and being inspired in that way and then work in my sketchbook. And I think because I've always been fascinated with marks and marks that exist in the natural world, I've always looked around me um, I'm a really keen walker and so I'm always walking through nature in, in some way and scouring around me for for marks in nature that I can then play with and repeat. I'm quite interested in repetition and how 
repeating a mark can create an entirely different or new image. Um, so I'm a bit of a collector, I suppose, of, mm. of marks. Do you take photographs mm. at all on your walks? Uh, no, no, I leave technology behind. I'm terrible with it. So it's much more of a pen and paper kind mm. of scenario. Sounds mm. like a good approach. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And um, anything else about your process? I mean, are you are you still working from home on the kitchen table? <laughs> um, I have now got my own space, which is lovely at, at home. Just a table set up. That's mine, which is great. Mm. I, I did have a studio for a number of years. Um, with Emma Springford-Goff, uh-huh. who you've also interviewed. And that was great. Um, it was very cold, as I think she also mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I enjoyed sharing a space with other artists. And even though we weren't often there at the same time, being surrounded by other art was really inspiring. And, you know, Emma's art is so joyful and fun and it was it was like a breath of fresh air mm. for me mm. yeah and, and I, you can work with other artists or sort of with other with noise around you because it seems such a it's such a it seems such a precise practice that mm. you have i just mm. wonder if you can focus when there's noise around you um yeah no i i can't <laughs> <laughs> It was quite a quiet studio, though, apart from the odd train that roared through. Mm. Um, but no, I I do need quiet, and so probably working for home, I'm more productive in that way. So there's pros and cons, mm. really. I like both situations. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of thinking involved in your practice. Yeah. So you kind of do need quiet. Definitely. Yeah. I'm not an artist that can work and chat at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's mm. very cool. And um, anything else you want to say about your process? Um, I guess with the, with the work that I'm doing at the moment, it's because it's very mechanical, um, there's a limit to how much I can actually do in one sitting. So working from home is great because I can do an hour's work and then go and put a load of washing on or, you know, mm. attend to the domestic stuff. And it just gives my body a rest because I do get RSI from it um, and have to be a bit careful about that. So working for intense periods of time, if, I, if I'm building up to a show or to a deadline it can be quite difficult physically um so working more slowly and integrating it into life mm. is is quite helpful yeah it's yeah. helpful physically and yeah mentally yeah probably yeah for sure it can get a bit intense sometimes yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to mix it up isn't yeah it? yeah yeah and um I mean, obviously you're inspired by ecology and, and what's around you and your place. Do you have other inspirations? Hmm. Any particular artists? Ah, oh, okay. Um, yeah, there's 
there's an artist that I've I've looked at for for years. She's actually a, a graffiti artist. Well, she's done various things. Um, Miso is is her kind of tag name, and she's done a lot of things with cutting as well, and works with line a lot. Um, but I particularly like her approach, especially in her early her early days where she was um, cutting out big images and then secretly sneaking out and pasting them up around Melbourne, I think, in the middle of the night to be seen by everyone and then gradually the weather would degrade them or mm. they'd be pulled down. And um, there's something I really love about that kind of work that is shared almost secretly Mm. Um, and is out of the gallery and into the public mm. space. Allowing people to engage in different yeah. ways. Yeah, and just bringing a bit of secret joy to life. I love yeah. it when I come across something like that or mm. some special graffiti or something that's been done, um, yeah, not by the rules, but it's it just, uh, yeah, it's good to have surprise in life, I think. Mm. Are you planning any secret surprises <laughs> well, around say, your area? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're already doing it and we don't know about it. I've had a few ideas, but I think I'm also um, quite boring and sensible. and <laughs> Not boring. Oh, well, I appreciate other people's attempts at that way of working. Mm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's quite um, liberating in a way, isn't it? Yeah, and I think just remembering that creativity doesn't just belong in the art gallery that it can enrich us in our day-to-day lives Mm, as well yeah absolutely Mm. and um let me think what do you love about what you do hmm uh it has a really meditative quality that i really enjoy I wrestle with the beginning part of my process, which is the ideas generation and forming forming the drawing. There's a lot of wrestling that goes on in me at that stage. But once I have got my plan worked out and I'm in the rhythm of it, there's a kind of dropping down in the midst of that process, which, which I just really love and I crave it when I don't have it um and there's something it's something to do with the rhythm of making those marks and of the quietness that I need in order to make them um I think because I also because I walk so much that's also another rhythmical quiet Activity and there's something in me that's just drawn, drawn to that. Um, I find finishing drawings quite difficult because I can see the end of this beautiful bubble, and so my marks often get smaller and smaller and smaller because I just don't want to get to that finishing oh, line. I love that. How beautiful! I'd say some artists feel the opposite; they just want to get Busting to the end. To finish. Yeah. yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Mm. Yeah. It's really good for your well being, obviously. Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, when you have 
noisy kids and lots of activity in the rest of your life. Busy it's, life. Yeah. 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 Well, I think definitely when you look at, when you know, when I look at your work, it puts me into that kind of place also. There's a, mm. a real calm about your work, mm. which is very appealing. So you're kind of, it's nice that you feel that yourself as you're making it, but you're also helping the viewer to go there, which is pretty mm. special. Well, that's that's really nice to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful story, Kerry. Thank you. Um, I'd just love to know what advice you'd have for somebody starting out on their creative journey. Hmm. Um, have really well-sharpened pencils. I think having a blunt pencil is so unappealing and mm -hmm. you will never pick it up. So <laughs> sharpen so your pencils. <laughs> um, and I also, I guess, just making the most of those small moments. Don't look for the the big windows of time, which which don't often come. And, and sometimes when they do come, they're so overwhelming that you don't really know what to do first. So picking away at a creative project is... Um, yeah, a really mm. great way to start. Yeah, I agree. Mm. And uh, I'd love to know what's in the future for you, Kerry. <laughs> so would I. <laughs> <laughs> if you had a crystal ball. Um, I guess I just keep making work. I just plot along with it. I found that having a few deadlines dotted through the year is really good for me. And great for me to, um, to just to do things like get things framed and get them up on the wall where I can I can look at them um, and putting them out into that public space after such a long time of it being quite an intense personal process mm. it's it's you know every artist I think probably finds that hard as well but it's a good hard mm. and I appreciate it yeah so, yeah, I just kind of carry on with a few regular things that I get involved with and I just keep making. And then hopefully some other interesting things with textile developments <laughs> or, you know, somehow yeah, using your tissue in different ways will be interesting to see where you take that. Yeah, yeah. I'd be quite interested to to work with other creatives in that way, actually. Just mm get out of the the isolated kind of working mm. on, on your own thing yeah yeah would be quite cool the collaboration would be great yeah oh well Kerry thank you so much for coming to Murawai and talking to me today it has been so interesting and um you know for me not knowing you really well it's lovely to hear your story and um I think that you have given people something really important to take away you know that especially that sort of allowing yourself time but looking at the small windows as well is a really great piece of advice because sometimes it's so consuming and overwhelming to find time so just allowing that sort of the small window concept I think is great advice and uh, yeah I look forward to seeing where your work ends up and um it's lovely to have you here. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Kerry. <laughs>